If you have your Bibles, please open with me to the New Testament book of 1 Timothy. We'll be in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to read the first few verses. 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we will start in verse 1. And our text today is really pretty well known within the church, and I'm not just talking about our local body, but I mean the church as a whole. But what kills me is we as Christians, we know this passage, we see the importance of the passage that we're going to read we clearly understand what Paul is saying because it's about impossible to misunderstand what he's saying, and yet many times I believe that we fail on this point. And today what we're going to talk about is prayer. And what kills me is, is that we as Christians, <clears throat> many times uh, prayer is like a, a thing that makes us feel guilty. Uh, we, we know that we should pray, but we know that we don't do it as much as we should and, and things like that. I'm not going to talk about prayer in general, though. I'm going to talk about very specific prayer. We're going to talk about praying for our leaders, public corporate prayer for our leaders. Now, as I said, the instruction is, is straightforward. It's hard to mistake what Paul's saying. He says that we as Christians have an obligation, a responsibility to pray for our leaders. Now, if you found 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, please stand with me in honor of God's Word. Uh, the text will also be up on the screen if you need it there. <clears throat> Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Thank you. you may be seated. Now, the first thing that I want you to see in our text today is the priority of prayer, the priority of prayer for our leaders. Uh, Paul starts out by saying in verse 1, first of all. First of all. Now, some people, when they read this, they think that Paul is talking about a time frame. They think when Paul is talking, he's giving instructions for uh, the church as a whole, the, when, when a church meets together in, in corporate worship, they think that he's saying, first of all, the very first order of business is that Christians pray for their leaders. While that may be a, a good thing to do, that's not what Paul is, is talking about. He's not talking about the order of worship within a church. He's talking about importance. He says one of the church's most important functions is one of prayer. Now, I saw a picture a while back that, uh, that had Jesus turning tables over and, and running people out of the temple, and it said the next time somebody asks you what would Jesus do, remind them uh, this might be a, a viable option or something like that. That's, it's, one of those, it's almost uncharacteristic for G, of Jesus in our minds, isn't it? That he would go in and he would uh, turn over tables, he would dump out money, and he'd run people out of the temple. But do you remember why he did that? The Bible says that he went in, he saw what was happening, he, was, he, he got very upset, and one gospel actually says that he, he left there and went and made a whip and came back the next day and cleaned house. But the reason he did it, he, he said, is because uh, he said, my house is to be called a house of what? Prayer. And these people who were buying and selling in the temple uh, uh, courts, they were keeping that from happening. Prayer is very important to God, and, and what this is telling us is that the people of God need to be a praying people. And one of, the, one of the functions or activities of the church, one of the main ones, is prayer. Now, uh, when Paul 
talks about this. I want you, we, we see the priority. It's, it's one of the most important things we can do. The next thing I want you to see, if you look in verse 1 again, is the prayer itself. Now, he lists different types or, or functions of prayer. He says entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings. Some people want to split theological hairs here. And they, I love precision. That's one of my things. I, and it drives my wife nuts because I want, I want a precise answer. I, I, that's a, I don't know. It's, it's one of my quirks. I don't think Paul is giving us a list so that we can uh, bring all these different categories in. Because one of the things that they would do in that time and culture, uh, one of their literary structures, is they would heap up synonyms upon synonyms to drive home a point. And I think that's what Paul's doing here. I don't think he's, I don't think he's wanting us to dissect uh, all these different types of prayers because there's a lot of overlap. But I think what he's saying is that we need to pray in every way that we know how for our leaders. In all kinds of different ways that you can think of to pray for your leaders, you need to do it. And that's kind of common sense, isn't it? I mean, it makes sense that he would say that we need to uh, intercede for them and, and pray for them, give thanks for them, because our prayers are going to be different depending on who the leader is, what choices they're making, getting ready to make, what choices they have made, uh, the type of leadership role they have. It's going to be different. So all of them at some point or another are going to need lots of different types of prayers. So, for instance, on one day we might get up and read the paper. We might uh, get online. We might turn on the TV and see that uh, certain leaders in our government, for instance, have made a, a godly choice. Whether they, they, even if they're not godly people, they still made a choice maybe that protected life or, or preserved the sanctity of marriage or whatever it is. And we may thank God that they've done that. Another day we might uh, read about... Uh, uh, these leaders are going to be making a decision about this issue. So another day we might pray and intercede and, and petition God to give them wisdom, godly wisdom, to know what to do. Another day we might get up and, and see that they've made a certain decision that is not godly. It is not righteous at all. And so we may pray and ask God to stay his hand of judgment on our country. So all these different types of prayers are going to, be, uh, going to come into play with our, with our leaders. And one prayer that we know that God always wants to hear is a prayer for their salvation. Now, I don't know if you mark in your Bibles or not. I would encourage you to do so uh, if you don't. And I don't mean just mark it up just for, the, just for the fun of it. But somebody has said that a clean Bible, the person that has a clean Bible has a lean soul. Um, now, I want you to notice the connection between verses one and verse, four, uh, verse 1 and 4. And here's how I've marked my Bible. You don't have to do it this way, but this is the way I've done it. Notice that phrase in verse 1, all men. You see that right at the end of verse 1, all men. And then jump down to verse 4, we get that phrase, all men again. The way I mark mine, just so I can, I'm kind of a visual person sometimes, I circled all men in verse 1 and all men in verse 4, and I drew a line between them. And here's, here's, the, way, here's the reason I did that. We know that God wants all people to be saved. And so whenever we're praying for our leaders, when we're praying on behalf of all men and women, everybody, one of our prayers should be a prayer of salvation. If they're not already Christians, we need to be praying for our lost loved ones, our lost friends, our lost leaders. So uh, 
a very practical application is, do you have somebody in your life that you want to see be saved? Maybe we have an unbelieving spouse, an unbelieving child, an unbelieving parent, an unbelieving friend or co-worker, a leader that you have in mind in our civil government, for instance, and you desire to see them become a Christian, Paul is saying here, you should pray to that end. Now, sometimes we give up and we don't see our prayers answered right away, don't we? We pray and pray and pray. Maybe we pray for years. We don't see any movement. And after a while, sometimes we might say, well, what's the point? God's not answering my prayers. But just think about your own life. You probably didn't... You probably didn't... Uh, uh, come to faith in Christ right away. It probably took you a while uh, to, to go through a process. And so I would encourage you, if, if you have that person in your life, that person maybe that's come to mind, continue to pray for him. Continue to pray for him. So we have the priority. We have the prayer. Next I want you to see the people. The people for whom we are to pray. If you look again at what he says in verse 1, we're, we're to pray on behalf of who? All men. Now, that's not men in, to the exclusion of women. He's talking about all men, all mankind. He's talking about everybody. And that means that, that your friends, you ought to be praying for them. Your kids, you ought to be praying for them. Your parents, you ought to pray for them. Your bosses, your co-workers, your teachers, pray for them. Now, in the context, Paul has just been talking to Timothy in chapter 1 about false teachers within the church. And Timothy is a pastor in, uh, in Ephesus. And so Paul is saying, there are false teachers in your church. You need to pray for them too. He's saying even people that you come into contact with, people that we would today maybe call an enemy, we should pray for them. People that maybe are even false teachers, pray for them. Now, he specifies not just all men, but then in verse 2, Kings and all who are in authority. We don't have kings uh, in our country today, last I knew. Um, but we do have people in authority. And the word in authority literally means one in a high or exalted position. So that means you probably have a boss somewhere. Or you probably, if you're married, if you're a man, I tell you who your boss is now. We all have a boss somewhere, right? And sometimes we come and we complain. Oh, my boss is such a jerk. Not, not, your, not your better half. But uh, in, our, in our workplace, right? We say, oh, my boss is such a jerk. I, I can't stand him or her. They're making such terrible decisions. They're, they're, they're just they're doing this or doing that, and, and we complain about them. I wonder when the last time we prayed for them was. And not just that God would smite them, but really pray for their welfare. Pray that God would, would help them. Pray that God would give them wisdom. That's all included in what Paul's talking about when he's talking about praying, especially for our leaders. But, but really, the context here is one of civil authority. It includes bosses and things like that, but he's talking about uh, our, our government. In our, in our democratic republic, he's talking about our governors, our uh, representatives, our senators, our judges, our president. He's talking about the leaders. 
Now, in Paul's historical context, where he was just in the history of the world and where he was in his location in the world, in many ways, the government was the enemy of the church. And what I mean by that is the person who was in charge whenever Paul wrote this was Nero. Nero was a wicked man. He was the one whenever Rome burned. He blamed the Christians. He said they're the ones that caused it. He, put, he used them as a scapegoat. He's the one who uh, would light Christians on fire and use them to light his outdoor parties. He's the one who would take Christians and throw them in an arena with wild animals so they would be torn apart for the pleasure and the enjoyment of the people watching. He's the one, ultimately, that had Paul executed. And Paul, in that context, said, pray for your leaders. Now, we can, we can look at our government. We all come across a president that we don't like at some point in our life. And we can say, oh, I, I just can't hardly bring myself to pray for him. But you know what? Ain't none of them as bad as what Nero was. And Paul said, pray for him. Pray for that person. Even that person. And let me tell you, if there's ever been a time in, the, in our lives when this country needs prayer, it's now. Now, I try to leave politics out of my messages. But you know what? The Bible talks about it here. And so I'm going to talk about it. I'm not going to name any names. But listen, we have, we have a government that makes decisions that affect all aspects of our lives. All the way down to to, to little old us out here in southwest Missouri, it matters. The stuff that they do matters. And, and not only should we pray for the leaders that we have, we should pray as we begin to think about electing new leaders. Now, I'm not going to endorse anybody. I don't think there's anybody worth endorsing. Even if I did, even if I was sold out saying, I think that's the one, I still recognize that it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican or anywhere in between. Our, what America needs is not a certain party in, in power. What America needs is God's rule in the hearts and lives of people from the top all the way down. Now, I say that we need prayer as, as we begin to think about who it is that we're going to elect. Now, I want you to think about our choices. And again... These are just facts. On one hand, we have, we have an individual who is running for president who didn't have a steady job until they were 40 years old, and then their job became being a career politician, and they believe that, they, that we should take the wages of somebody who earns them and gives them, give them to somebody who hasn't. Now you say, well, what does that have to do with the Bible? Jesus said in Luke 10:7, the laborer is worthy of his wages. Paul said if a, if a man's not willing to work, he shouldn't eat. Uh, we have another one who, who, uh, who's, been in, who, who's been embroiled in scandals and is currently embroiled in one. And many people think that the FBI will soon indict this person for revealing national security secrets. Run for president. We have yet another one who's rude and crass, arguably a megalomaniac, they, they're being sued for fraud as we speak and recently would not disavow white supremacists. These are the people that we have to choose from 
to lead our country. Now, I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. Man, the, the race is not a race up. It's a race to the bottom, it seems like, on both sides. I recently saw uh, something that, that has come to me several times. And it says, have the donkey and elephant left you da- let you down? Turn to the lamb. And I thought that was good. God is our only hope. It doesn't matter, again, political affiliation. If you're putting your hope in a, a political party, you're, it, you're, you're putting your hope in the wrong place. God is the place where we have hope. So we have the priority. We have prayer. We have the people that we're to pray for. Finally, I want you to see the purpose why should we pray for our leaders? Well, the proper role of government, I believe, is to uh, punish evil and to foster good. That's what, that's what Paul talks about in the book of Romans. Those are the things that government should be doing. And when we have godly leaders, that is more likely to happen. And the more godly leaders we have, the better our lives are going to be. Now... I'm not saying that there should be a, a religious test for somebody holding office. I don't, believe that's, I don't believe that's true. I believe that God's big enough that he can take even somebody that doesn't care for him and he can influence their hearts. And we should pray that he does that, that the godly people would seek him and the people that don't have anything to do with God, well, he'd influence their hearts anyway. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the king's heart is in the Lord's hand. He can turn it whatever way he wants. And, and we should pray that he does that. Now, why does he say specifically, we're to pray for all men, but then he lists specifically kings and all who are in authority? Well, he doesn't do it because politicians are any better or worse than everybody else. He's not saying because um, they have more intrinsic value and therefore they deserve special prayer. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is they make decisions and choices that affect more people. And because, they, because their choices affect a great number of people, they need some extra prayer. Because the choices they make are going to affect uh, godly people as well as ungodly people. And therefore, we should pray that they would make godly choices. It's similar to what uh, the prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 29.7. Uh, the Israelites have been taken into captivity as judgment from God. And here's what God said. He said... Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will have welfare. Now this is not supposed to be a self-serving prayer, but, but rather when we as Christians live out our faith and we do what the Bible says, we're peaceable, we are orderly, and we're generally good citizens. And so what Paul is saying is we need to pray that we be able to live out our faith without harassment from the state or persecution from people. That we be able to enjoy our rights and exercise our freedoms in our context just like everybody else. Now, folks, we are in a bad place in this country. There's, there's no denying it. Things are not good, and it's not getting any better. We're in a moral freefall in our our leadership in all branches of government for many years have done nothing to stop it. In fact, some of the choices they've made have only accelerated our plummet. If there was ever a time to pray, it's now. 
if ever there was, if there, if ever the hour was late, and our leaders needed prayer, it's now. Because they make choices every day that affect us. We need to pray for our leaders in government. That's the main context of what he's talking about. But as I said before, those in authority, that would include your boss. For students, it would include teachers, parents. Pray for me. I have a, a, a role of spiritual leadership. Pray for... He, he, he says, pray for all men, in verse 1. Again, that's talking about your friends, your loved ones, your neighbors, the people that you hang out with. Pray for all people. Maybe you need to pray for yourself. You say, well, I don't want to do that. That seems kind of selfish. I don't want to bother God with. I was bringing the big stuff, and I don't want other people's lives, and there are a lot of people who have things a lot worse than me, so I'll, I'll just pray for them. Well, it's good to pray for them, but remember what Jesus did whenever he gave us the model prayer? He asked for daily bread for us. He told us to ask for forgiveness for us. Now, we shouldn't be self-centered in our prayers, but, but sometimes we need wisdom. The book of James says to pray for wisdom if you need it. Sometimes we need forgiveness. Ask for that. And maybe, I was talking about salvation and stuff, maybe that's the prayer that you need to pray for yourself. You need to pray and ask God to forgive you of your sins because you've never done that. You've never repented of your sins. If that's the case, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. And while you still have a chance, don't harden your heart, the book of Hebrews says. Watch, stand with me as a musician comes. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, I just... I want to give you a pray for those that need it. Again, maybe you have a, a friend or a family member, a spouse, a child, a parent. They've got some stuff going on. You want to lift them up in prayer. You've been meaning to do it all week, and things keep coming up. Now's the time to do it. Maybe you need to pray for yourself that God would rekindle that flame in your heart. Pray for that boss that you can't stand. Pray for our president, our congress, our judges. They need it. I wouldn't want to have their positions. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you do have godly people out there that um, that you put into positions of leadership. And God, we pray for uh, people, whether they're godly people or maybe they are 
in rebellion against you, but they're in a position of leadership. And we pray that you direct them whether or not they seek you. Um, let's turn their hearts the way that they need to go. And God, we lift all the leaders of this country from uh, the local level all the way up to the federal. And I pray that you would um, give them wisdom. We thank you that we can come together in a free country and we pray that uh, we'd still continue to be able to do that. Be with our country as we elect a new leader, uh, a new president, and then all the other uh, lower positions of leadership that are going to be changing soon. Lord, we just pray that you'd help us. Help us make the best decisions that we can, especially when we're presented with all bad choices. God, I ask that you'd uh, move on each heart, and if there's that um, that we have in our lives that needs your touch, we lift them up to you. And, and I pray for uh, for the folks that people have on their hearts and minds now, and for the person maybe who's never accepted Christ. Lord, we ask on their hearts too. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.